0: Hello and welcome to Fighting Over the VCR My name is Matthew My name is Nancy And this week we're going to talk about two movies that came out in the 80s The second movie we're going to talk about came out in 1989 It's called Drugstore Cowboy And the first movie we're going to talk about came out in 1985 um, Called St. Elmo's Fire But before we begin... Nancy and I wanted to thank everybody who is listening. Uh, we recently hit 1,500 downloads, which we are very proud of. Um, two little hobbyists who like to talk about movies. And um, I thought that was pretty cool. Nancy yep. sent me a text today, said, Hey, we did it. And she was very excited. And yep. we're both very appreciative to everyone that takes the time to listen. Yep. And, uh, 1500 yeah.
1: 1,500 all time downloads of every all episode. Time.
0: Cumulative
1: of every single episode ever downloaded together, but still no. very exciting. Again, we don't advertise more than just you know people who already know who we are. So,
0: yeah, exactly. We're not like you said, we're two not hobbies. A yeah, we're not making a career of this. We're just having fun doing it. That's right. And these this day and age, sometimes you need to find fun wherever you can. So yeah. I appreciate Nancy for all the hard work you do.
1: I appreciate and you, Matt.
0: And um based on a small conversation that we had earlier today, I have a strong feeling this might be the um most fighting we ever do on an episode.
1: No. That will be always reserved for Lost
0: Highway. I I highly doubt that this time maybe. Hmm. Okay. Maybe. Okay. Okay. So I'm gonna hand it over to Nancy, who's going to start us off talking about St. Almost Fire.
1: All right. So, St. Elmo's Fire was directed by Joel Schumacher. It came out, like Matt said, in summer 1985. And it features a lot of actors that we've talked about before. It is um, chock full of Brat Pack actors. Um, It's centered around um, a group of friends that all went to Georgetown University together in Washington, D.C. They graduated before the movie starts, so I can't figure out if it's within six months to a year. or They within say a couple four months.
0: They oh. say in the movie four months.
1: Wow, okay. So very, very, like, right out of college, right right when they finished college. And they were all friends in college. That's where they all met. They all hung out there. And, again, it stars people we've talked about in other movies. It's got three actors from The Breakfast Club, uh, Judd Nelson, Ali Sheedy, and Emilio Estevez. It's got... Andrew McCarthy, who we've talked about from Pretty in Pink, and it has Mare Winningham, Demi Moore, and Rob Lowe. So that's the that's the core group of friends that we're following in this movie. And they're all very kind of yuppies. (laughs) That's kind of, you know, it's kind of like a striking feature of this movie is like these are all kind of. Young future yuppies of America Because, you know, this movie, again, set right in the middle of the 80s You know, Reagan's been Reagan's president Judd Nelson has quite the departure from the last film we spoke about with him From Breakfast Club He and Ali Sheedy have almost completely opposite kind of roles By the way, I'm going to compare this to Breakfast Club a few times So just bear with me, guys
0: Um, You kind of have to because they came out the same year Six months apart they were, and John Hughes actually helped Ali Sheedy, Judd Nelson, and Emilia Estevez get roles in this movie. Oh, well, there you go.
1: And you can kind of joke that there's an accelerated, like, learning program that they had because they were in a high school pro- movie four, year, four months before this movie came out, and they'd already, like, sped through college. And Anyways, never mind. <laughs> but, um... So, again, you know, they're this kind of, you know, mixed up group of friends. They they all have problems. They're all kind of trying to start their lives. They're all trying to do hashtag adulting. But they're in their early 20s and they seem way more mature to me than 20s. I think. Yeah, I-
0: but, yeah, because they all feel just like the same problem with Breakfast Club, where they seem much older than they actually the actors are much older than the characters that they're playing. You have the same problem with this movie where they're all supposed to be about 22 and they all look 32
1: about that. Yeah. You know, a couple of them have pretty serious, like substance abuse problems. Um, Demi Moore's character and Rob Lowe's character are both in a lot of trouble all the time. Um, Demi Moore's character, her name is Jules. She's always putting on all these fronts. Like she's always, she's like, She's got like a little tornado of problems around her at all times. She's very dramatic. And so is Rob Lowe's character. Um, His name is Billy. And a lot of what carries the story seems to be the other friends around them trying to kind of help the two of these these two characters pull themselves out of some of the dramas that they've created. That kind of is a force that kind of moves the movie along. Um, and then you have other things that, you know, you get to see different little um, pairings throughout the movie. Emilio Estevez, his name's Kirby, and Andrew McCarthy, his name is Kevin, they're roommates, so you'll see them together every now and then. Judd Nelson, Alec, and Ally Sheedy, Leslie—they're a couple. So you see them like moving in together, and kind of like the love story, or and then some road bumps with their love story. And then you have um, Mayor Winningham, whose name was Wendy. She's she's a little bit on the outside of this group. In fact, in some ways, it almost feels like if she wasn't so in love with Billy, even though they're not actually together. And if she wasn't friends with Leslie, she wouldn't really fit in with this group in some way. She kind of is a little bit on the outside. Like I think she lives at home with her parents still. And I get but the impression.
0: But she has money. She has money though because she, her her dad owns a, cre- a greeting card company.
1: Yeah, she's well. Like she's set. She is not struggling like a lot of the yeah. other. It's, characters. it's kind
0: of as a, it's kind of like if um, she was the daughter of Mister Hallmark. Basically, it is basically. Basically,
1: right. that's where, she, you know, her, where she's coming from. So, you know, this movie takes place over, I don't know, like maybe six months at most. Something like that. Like the timeline of the movie. Somewhere yeah. around there. Anyways, I saw this movie. I've watched this movie a lot. I watched it a lot when we were kids. It's It's one of those movies that if mom knew I'd watched it as much as I did as a kid, she'd probably be a little like. Huh, I can't believe I let her see this movie so much. Because it's got a lot of adult themes. You know, there's a few kind of long extended sex scenes. There is a lot of drug use. I mean, at least between um, Jules and um, Billy, the two of them are mixed up with drugs quite a bit. You know, it's just, again, very, very adult themes. And I think I was always interested in this movie as a kid because... For the same reasons I liked some of the more mature, like, John Hughes movies, it was kind of like this, wow, is that what being older is going to be like? You know, it's not, not like I would want to aspire to be like any of these people because they're all pretty messed up, but just this kind of model of, like, that's what being an adult might be like, you know, in 10, 15 years or whatever the age difference was when I was watching it and however old we were supposed to think they were again. Cause again, like we said, they're older than, you
0: know, I never, I never thought that like when I probably haven't seen this movie in 20 years, at, at least mm-hmm. probably 30 years. And, um, I just remember thinking like they were a lot older than they were supposed to be because the actors were older and they just seemed like everyone just seemed like they were doing things that were, Way more mature than probably that that I would would have imagined. Of course, it's kind of like that whole thing where like when you're when you're five, you think like being forty is like being an ancient old person. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Oh
1: my god, forty!
0: That's crazy. Yeah.
1: You know, again, I was drawn to this movie a lot as a kid because it kind of presented this uh, idea of what you know being an adult could be like. It was just one of those. I mean, there's a little bit of like a coming of age story for these characters. You know, they all have their growth. They all, you know, they all experience some change and challenges and whatnot. I don't know. I just I I like to. And again, as we mentioned earlier, we were familiar with all of these actors from other things. So I'm sure we saw Breakfast Club before we saw St. Elmo's Fire. So to see all three of these actors together And then I'd probably even seen Pretty in Pink before seeing this movie. So it's like, oh, my God, like, why are they matching all these actors up together? It's I mean, in the same reason we were talking about with Young Guns, it's like you put all these kind of popular actors of the same generation together to do a movie. Why not? Like, let's see what happens. And I also appreciate some of the the dramatic bullshit that happens in this movie. You know, all of the kind of tangled love affairs and who's hooking up with whom and who's secretly been in love with someone and, you know, who's been cheating on this person. I mean, again, I loved soap operas as a kid, so, I mean, there's a very soap opera kind of quality to this movie, which I acknowledge, um, especially with, like, the m- the messed-up relationships. But And, you know, Emilio his character, he doesn't only really have, like, a total love story. He has, like, an obsession story because, you know... He bumps into uh, Andy McDowell, <laughs> who was a who played a character named Dale um, Beaverman, I think was her last name or
0: Dale Beaver, Beaverman. Yeah, uh, Beaver B-I-B, not V. OK, Beaverman.
1: She was a senior when he was a freshman and he was in love with her off and on throughout college, I guess. So he like bumps into her yeah. after they graduated. And they did go
0: on a date once. Oh, yeah. She, they, they do say they went on one date. Annie Hall. Yeah.
1: So, um so he runs into her so we get to watch him like have this like intense obsession and we even get to get, we get to hear his signature uh, cackling laugh like that we got used to from uh Young Guns. I don't know. I mean, again, this movie it's again, when I was thinking about pairing up this movie with Drugstore Cowboy, it really was. i had never I've never seen Drugstore Cowboy. I'm just going to come right out and say that right now. I first off wasn't aware that Drugstore Cowboy wasn't set in the 80s. So that was a little bit of a, that tripped me up a little bit when I saw I was like, oh, okay. I thought they were both going to be in the 80s. Oh, well. But also because of the kind of drug usage and the problems that drugs cause in St. Elmo's Fire. They cause a little bit different problems in Drugstore Cowboy, which we'll go over later. But I mean, it really is a focus in St. Elmo's mm-hmm. Fire, as far as I'm concerned, because Jules, Jules being the main one, I mean, Billy is totally screwed up. He's got a so many problems, but he is, he's not putting on any fronts. Like, no, like he no, he's owns, pretty much like, this is
0: who I am. Yeah, this is who he I am. owns yeah. that he
1: is a complete irresponsible screw up and cannot handle himself when it comes to booze when it comes to being a womanizer when it comes to other drugs like he kind of owns it. Jules is so concerned about this total facade of being like this altogether 80's girl that just you know has all this fancy, all these fancy bags and, you know, the fancy yeah. bright salmon pink apartment that her gay decorator down the halls put together for her. And
0: the best thing about that apartment is the giant mural of Billy Idol. I know. It's on pretty it. amazing. And, only, and, and didn't only, it have
1: like lights for earrings or something?
0: I don't know. But I,
1: it, it, but yeah, it's.
0: I, I'll, I'll I'll say I'll I'm just going to put it out there that. Um, seeing that mural was the, probably the only highlight I have of this movie. Oh, well. I, I, I understand your desire to enjoy this movie, but when I was done watching it, I had to write like a little summary of what I, how, how can I, if someone were to come up to me or if I had a podcast, oh wait, I do. How would I sum up this movie? And this is how I would sum it up. This movie is like 300 four minute vapid scenes of people flirting, drinking, doing coke or fighting, trying to convince the audience that they give a shit about each other. Because I really like every scene is like this very short scene between two or three or all the entire ensemble. And they're everything that they say or do in it is just I just didn't care. Now, I will say this. They have you have the end scene where they have to save Jules, Mm -hmm. which is a larger kind of thing Mm -hmm. where it's like they all finally kind of come together again. But then my my other problem is, is because you had all these really short scenes, I never really felt like I was getting to know the characters that much. To where I cared, but I'd and I figured out later, like in in processing the shit show I just watched, I was like, I'd rather watch a movie that was like Andrew McCarthy and Judd Nelson was the villain and he was infatuated with her girlfriend and have that just be the movie.
1: Was Andrew McCarthy your favorite character?
0: Andrew McCarthy was my favorite character. By far. Um, and he did this movie before Pretty in Pink. Yeah. So we we had not really seen a whole lot of him. Yeah.
1: Now he's the best.
0: Or or I would have rather seen a movie that was all about Emilio Estevez trying to con, like trying to get with Andy McDowell. Like that would have been a better movie. So
1: you don't like any of the Demi Moore stuff?
0: No. Yeah. I mean, it was just I just I I, I believe that some of these characters had these problems coming right out of college Mm -hmm. maybe but it just so much of this movie was just kind of a struggle to watch and I just felt like it wasn't and I think a lot of that was I wouldn't say it was poorly acted I think the acting was fine Mm -hmm. it's just it it's almost like they remember how we were talking about how they made young guns too because they had the actors together and it was like an opportunity to do something with those actors. And let's like, let's cash in now, granted breakfast club had only come out six months before and wasn't out when they started making this movie, but it has that feel like, Oh, let's get this movie out and let's rush to get this done and we'll get all these characters in it and see what we can do. I mean, it just, so I blame in that case, I blame the director. A director who I'm not very fond of, anyway. What? Batman 3? Come on, Matt. Okay. Joel Schumacher, (laughs) former costume designer, turned director, who probably should have stayed a costume designer. Oh, wait. No, maybe he shouldn't have, because he put nipples on the Batman suit. So... (laughs) (laughs) So... I'm not really a huge Joel Schumacher fan, but, yeah, I... I did not enjoy watching this. I was not really... (sighs) I'm going to... I'll say I
1: think this movie really is more for a female audience. I think because... Yeah, I guess. I, I, I would say, I mean, because... You know, not that I was interested in him at the time, and I'm certainly more interested in him as an older actor now but like Rob Lowe was such a big deal back then so to get him cast Oh yeah
0: this is and, pre, this is like pre sex tape Rob Lowe
1: pre sex tape Rob Lowe <sighs> yes but you know he's like Mr you know I mean it's no surprise they cast him to be this sexy womanizer and you know Emilio Estevez is charming and who doesn't love Andrew McCarthy in this movie I mean again it's, yeah. he's our favorite character
0: um, But with the exception but with the exception of maybe mayor Whittingham's character kirby um emilio Estevez's character and andrew mccarthy like i there's not a ton redeeming about i guess like judd nelson's character alec screw that guy he was just he's just a jerk rob Lowe, billy's character you know you kind of felt for him a little bit but at the same time he just was screwing everything up and definitely not Demi Moore's character. Well, I was just not feeling any any remorse for her character.
1: So so you haven't watched it yet, but um, Rob Lowe's character reminds me very, very much of a very important character from Friday Night Lights that Taylor Kish played, um, Tim Riggins. It's that same kind of great at sports. You know, like Rob Lowe's character symbolizes to me college was the best time of his life, and that's it. And I think it's kind of important to see that example when you're looking at all of these, you know, these, these young adults, like just starting off and trying to figure out what they're going to do next, because it's like, okay, they've put all these years into regular school and then college. And now what, and, you know, I feel like, like Judd Nelson and, and Ali Sheedy were supposed to be like. The couple, like they were supposed to be like the role model of the group, like the parent, like the mom and dad of the group, or whatever. To everyone should be able to rely on them and they'll swoop in and save the day. Like Alec was getting Billy Jobs all the time, and they were like the stable force. Well, which we all know,
0: saving jewels, saving jewels from a drug from a a coke binge with the Arabs,
1: yeah. Um. (laughs) But I feel that Rob Lowe's character having this, I don't know what I'm supposed to do next. I don't know how to be a grown-up. I don't know how to deal with responsibility. College was a lot of fun, and I really miss it. I think that's kind of important and interesting when you're looking at a group, because I think in real life, there's plenty of people that you may come across that seem like, wow, like they really did have their heyday a long, long time ago and never really got over... Like They never really... Adapted to the new phases yeah. in their life, so I feel like he's kind of important for that role. Um, well, well, and and, and Jules may be part of that a little too. I mean,
0: I I I agree with you, but all of that with all these characters tra- smashed into this movie was a terrible idea. I mean, making this movie was a terrible idea. No one ca- I I mean, you could not invest any time and is enough to even get to know these characters enough to where you cared. I don't know. And I think you
1: can, I think you get to know Kevin. I think you get a sense a little of who bit, Kevin but,
0: is a little bit, but I mean, he's only the most, I think he's the one that is his characters acted and written enough in a way to where you see him as an instant protagonist so you all automatically feel for him Mm -hmm. whereas everyone else you kind of don't and I guess the best way to to describe what I'm saying is is like if they would have taken all these stories and made it into like a tv show like
1: friends like 10 years later because
0: that's basically what this makes me think of yeah but and that had to be you know a show you well, know, and-, and and I think and I think that with what they did here is they probably tried to do the same, similar kind of thing with a lot of like the the relationships and everything from from a more um from not a TV, you know, audience perspective, you know, without the canned laughter and the fact that you can like they never had anyone with a drug addiction as a character on Friends, but well, Joey Joey's a womanizer, life. though.
1: I mean, mm-hmm. Joey was yeah. so you could kind of say. And and I feel like Kevin is probably like Chandler, and I know Chandler's my favorite character on
0: Friends. Yeah, but Kevin was d- definitely a little shyer, maybe than he because you know Chandler always tried to like make the jokes, whereas Kevin was always. I think he was more happy just sitting in the background.
1: But he, you know, he and
0: and that is that is a good I would say that that's a good comparison, though. It's like it would be like if they did the if if they took this movie and stretched it out over 10 seasons and called it Friends and then but it was like Friends on HBO. Yeah. Oh, wait, isn't Friends going to be on HBO now? (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that funny? But, well i mean uh, i th- but, yeah. i I
1: think it's good though that I mean even though you're you don't like this movie, I think it's interesting that we both have the same we we see Kevin as the most interesting character like he's our he's both our favorite character in this movie yeah
0: my second favorite character is the prostitute that he talks to
1: <laughs> you want a date
0: because <laughs> she's she's pretty real with him. I was actually really hoping for a scene where um they had a party or something and he brought her as a date just mm. for fun. I thought that would have been been good, but but yeah. I was just and 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 you know what really did not help in this movie? The saxophone.
1: The David Foster the music. soundtrack.
0: <laughs> the music. I love the love oh my in this, God. So- in this the, movie. No. Yes. No. All the music is it's like, hey, we've got this piano piece that's gonna be the main theme. Let's drop it every five minutes. Okay. It doesn't matter what the scene is about. Oh my god, over and over and over again. <laughs> Gouge my eyes out. And then David the Foster, song Saint on. And then the song Saint Elmo's Fire, Man in Motion. Let's just drop that wherever. They're in a bar. Oh, it's on the jukebox. Every scene. I mean, come on. It was so over-the-top ridiculous with this terrible music, it it made me want to stab myself in the ears. It was so bad. And, it, it, like, you talk about, like, if you had a drinking game for anything, like, the drinking game for this movie would be the music. You'd be drunk 20 minutes into this movie. It is so over-the-top bad.
1: I'll also, I'll also say that I think something that's kind of aesthetically appealing about this movie is the fact that I think it's set in fall. So just kind of seeing Washington, D.C. in the fall is kind of pretty. And, you know, there's things like that that Uh, I liked.
0: eh, It wasn't that pretty. It it had a very drab gray kind of feel to me. Like never. I mean, until you you get to Jules's apartment. Until you get to her apartment. I mean, that's the flashiest part of the whole thing. I mean, it was just I was I was happy when it was over. I was like. I can put that one to bed. Um, my I favorite. Think my favorite. Go ahead. My favorite scene in the movie is um, when um, Ali Sheedy and Judd Nelson are splitting up the record collection. That <laughs> well, scene is so hilarious. It's very funny.
1: And it's like, oh, we're getting a little touch of um, John Bender here because it's like he's so angry and he's yelling and, you know. Judd Nelson got to tap into the
0: dark side that he and and kind of and kind of, a, and kind of a, a high fidelity kind of feel. where Yeah. Like having to compare those those records like the, the best line is no Springsteen is leaving this house.
1: You can take all Carly
0: Simon. You can have. The and then angel. there was.
1: Uh, Don't you take I the I police? You leave the police. Here. That was
0: that was mine. I bought it. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: my favorite scene is um, after after Kirby's crazy party that he throws for Andy McDowell, and um, Leslie basically calls out Alec, and then um, Leslie and uh, Kevin go back to their place. Again, I think this movie really is for ladies I don't think this is a movie for guys yeah. um, well, especially the, because I so have, much of like the so much of the movie is about like the who's in love with who who's going to make out with who why didn't you ever make a pass at me you've had a secret yeah. love of, love for me Everyone all these thinks years I mean gay. it's really it's yeah. really about like who wants to hook up with whom and who, who has these deep emotional ties to whom so I'm going to say it's more a, a movie for the ladies so I can um, see why it's not for you
0: Yeah. The only note that I have is in that same kind of scene that you like the your favorite scene where um, after they've gone back to Kevin's apartment and he confesses his love for uh, Leslie, what's her name, Leslie, and then they hook up and then the next morning they wake up and Judd Nelson's character Alec appears there poorly timed. And then Leslie just comes out like, yeah, we just did it. Um, Leslie and Kevin have the exact same haircut. <laughs> their haircut is identical. Like I, I almost like paused it and took pictures of each one so I could put them next to each other because their messed up bed head and is they, identical. Well,
1: and she's like, she's they were got, brother
0: she, and sister. Yeah, I think it was almost weird for me because I was like, oh, my God, it's like their brother and sister. Ew. This is weird. Yeah. <laughs> um. But that's and that that again is poorly done by Joel Schumacher. Why would you give them the same haircut? Yeah,
1: I don't I don't <laughs> know about that haircut on Ali Sheedy. It's kinda of bizarre.
0: But She in the way she kinda of dressed with the Oh, her pearls. Oh my god. The pearls. She had to have the the gigantic pearls on all the time and then when they're naked in the shower making love, the pearls are still there. Yeah,
1: like they knocked the knocked the shower door down. And I kept I kept watching you know, I haven't so I I've like I've easily seen this movie 10 15 times over like my lifetime. I haven't
0: watched 14 too many.
1: I haven't watched it in probably <laughs> 10 years or so. Um yeah. but I couldn't remember if it was that her pearls snapped and they fell through the shower or what happened. But no, no, no. The t- pearls are totally intact. It's psh, shower door come crashing down.
0: Yeah terrible
1: um you have to admit that (laughs) wendy is a nice character i mean here she is kind of kind of like but she's not she's she's kind of you know um bucking expectations she could just you know hook up with a nice sensible guy that her parents wanted to hook up with and then you know have this wealthy life handed to her and she's like no i'm gonna freaking be a social worker and deal with crazy people Coming to pick up their welfare checks, getting mad at me when I asked them what kind of career do you want, and they like brought all their yeah. kids in. Yeah. Instead, of, you know, I mean, she, she's that very earnest uh, in that way.
0: Again, that the whole Billy uh, Wendy love affair kind of thing, where he and where he has a daughter with another with with Felicia, who um, the other one who was also
1: in a movie we talked about recently. She was in your favorite scene in a movie we talked about not long ago. Young Guns too, She ran the whorehouse.
0: Yeah. But, like, that could have been a whole separate movie. Like, that could have been a whole other thing. So, again, you know, if this was, like, a series, you you would see that being all played out to where, like, he deals with Felicia, she's pregnant, and, like, that's a whole season. (laughs) You know, and then... You know how does he still have a relationship? You know he's broken. He's broken up with Wendy at that point. I mean, so many. I I guess I guess the other thing, like whenever I see a movie like this where I'm not really fond of it, but yet you have decent acting and you know and and a good cast, you're almost almost like man, that was a major disappointment. Like that could have. I'm dis- I'm sad that that wasn't better. Sure. You know. Sure. <laughs> but, yeah. But you know what? It it was just. I'm just going to blame Joel Schumacher. That's just easier. you can.
1: (laughs) Again, I mean, I I like it still for nostalgia purposes. And again, I think for me, I, I recognize this was a movie more for women and not for men. And for me watching this when I was, I don't know, 11 or so thinking yeah. ahead about like, Oh wow. What, what will it be like after I finish college? And what kind of friends will I make? And what
0: would it, you know, God, I hope you weren't using this as a model. No,
1: no. But I mean, again, <laughs> it's just these, this idea of this is an, this is an idea of what, you know, life after college could be like. And, you know, people hang out. I mean, yeah. I feel like friends was in, influ- I think the creators of friends could have very well been influenced by this movie.
0: I mean, we've already Let's talked- play a game. Okay. Let's play a game. Okay. Um, if you were to match up a character from this movie with someone from, from Friends, All right. I mean... I, I Jules I'll, I'll and agree, Phoebe. But, uh, with Jules and Phoebe? Except Phoebe
1: doesn't have drug problems, no. but
0: she's got... No, no. Really? I was going to say... Ugh. I guess... I was going to say... Rachel only because she had like the the dad like she had like the dad that gave her money and
1: yeah and so
0: she was she was used to a to a more of that kind of lifestyle yeah she has
1: to start well at the end of this movie Jules has to kind of start over and that's the way that Rachel Green's character starts I'll agree
0: I'll agree with you that Kevin and Chandler I'll give you that and of course there's seven in this movie so someone's gonna get left out let's just let's just leave out Alec because I don't think Alec is like any of the characters I think like ross. i would say no i was gonna say kirby's like ross because he's he was obsessed, he's so thirsty for love and he was obsessed with yeah. rachel and well, didn't know how yeah. to deal okay kirby's, kirby's would be so ross. much more likable
1: than ross yeah. though ross yeah. is so frustrating
0: and then um i guess ali sheedy would be um would monica. be courtney cox's character yeah. would be monica yeah and then yeah. um and joey is billy Oh, we'll absolutely.
1: Jokes, Completely agree. Um, that's not even yeah. a problem. I mean, not the yeah. drug issue, but he had, a, I mean, well, yeah, his acting jobs. Yeah, he seemed like he had more money problems than anybody else.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. let's just say let's say let's say Alec was um, Alec was the dude who um, Rachel was with the, the the French guy. What was his name? Or the, or the or the Latin Paulo, yeah. Let's just say Alec was Paulo.
1: <laughs> I don't know some of his, or
0: Gunther or Gunther. <laughs> some,
1: some of Alex' um, right, you know. Some of his. I mean,
0: there were things that Ross did that just Ross was such an asshole in so many ways. Yeah, I I think that you and I are not in the Ross fan club on that, sh- not so that show. Not so much, but I mean.
1: Chandler but, though, um, and and I, I I like that we can both kind of see that because you remember eventually in one of the um, alternative futures Chandler would have been a comedy writer, so he would have been a writer, yeah. and Kevin's a writer, so yeah. Anyways, I, I don't well, have a whole lot else. Good Just, good. I don't have a whole good lot. Good
0: on your friends for redoing for redoing Saint yeah. Elmo's Fire as a TV series. Yeah, I
1: mean, so. and you know, <laughs> hey, I'm. I asked you to watch this movie. You asked me to watch a movie that I found fairly challenging today. So we're, we're both in that same boat.
0: So let's move on because I think that my movie, while you may feel it was a challenge, is far better than the movie that should have been set on fire. Um, I don't. I'm going to talk about <laughs> Drugstore Cowboy was a challenge. Well, Nancy, how many awards was St. Elmo's Fire nominated for? Not many, but Drugstore Cowboy won some Independent Spirit Awards. So there you go. So Drugstore Cowboy came out in 1989, was directed by Gus Van Sant, who we dedicated a whole episode to. Um, And this movie was based on an autobiographical novel by James Fogel, who was a drug addict and a drug dealer who went to prison and worked on this movie and the book that it was actually that the movie's based on didn't actually get released until after the movie came out so um it's kind of strange but they had their notes and they put this movie together it takes place in 1971 and stars um matt Dillon as bob i think his full name is he does call him bob but it's uh uh, what's his last name? It doesn't matter. No. And Bob is a drug addict who robs drug stores, like Walgreens, like Walgreens, Longs, Rite Aid, um, or actually like smaller chain drug stores that were not that you know their primary, some of their primary things were they all they were just like a pharmacy. And he has a crew made up of his wife, Diane, played by Kelly Lynch. Rick, the muscle, played by James LaGrosse, who we also saw in Zodiac. And Nadine, the, I guess she's probably 20 years old or something like that, but she's probably like, she's, they say that, but she's probably like 18, played by Heather Graham. And what their crew does is couple of them play distraction while Matt Dylan goes behind the counter takes whatever pharmaceuticals he can get and they they that's their score and you know they're all drug addicts and you know have their own addiction problems and this movie I think was probably one of those early movies that i saw on bravo before it Mm. became reality shit show and um you know i saw it uncut i saw i was probably like 14 or 15 when i saw it and um i think that's one of the things that kind of gravitated me towards it to wanting to rewatch it Mm -hmm. was because it was one of those intros to the to independent film yeah when indie film was kind of taking off in the nineties. Um, you know, granted this movie came out in 89, but Gus Van Sant was getting, was getting big, you know, he had done my own private Idaho and to die for eventually. And, um, so this was really kind of one of my introductions to that. Um, Matt Dillon's character of Bob pretty much is in every scene in this movie. Um, probably 98% of this movie is all about him. And, um, he his character is really complex because not only is he a drug addict but he's kind of addicted to the game like the whole game of robbing these stores. Yeah. Yeah. And um in one scene that really kind of is really telling about him and his you know what he's into and his relationship with Diane, you know, she's trying to seduce him. And, like, is basically like, I want to have sex with you right now. Yeah. And the whole time, all he can think about is the next score. Like, hey, we're running, you know, we're running hot. And when you you know, when you're running hot, you just got to keep going. And
1: because um, they're bored, know.
0: she has nothing
1: <laughs> well, to do. All they do is steal drugs, get high, and try to not get caught. Wow. Yeah,
0: that's, that's their that's life. That's their whole life. And I kind of feel like that you know, considering this is based off of a real life person, like that could be pretty real. (laughs) Sure. You know, I don't, I I don't know anyone that has um, problems of the, of this, you know, to this extent, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like, like this, but, you know, I imagine that that, you know, is kind of a commonality. And uh, the whole movie takes place in Portland, Oregon, (laughs) It was almost all filmed in Portland or surrounding areas of Portland. So it has this very kind of dark, rainy kind of feel. Yeah. Of course, one of the things that that is kind of confusing while you're watching it, you're like, hey, he keeps robbing these drugstores. The cops know who he is. And but he keeps getting away with a lot of a lot of what he's doing. How many drugstores are there in Portland? That I mean, that's kind of like boggled my mind a little bit. You know, the movie's kind of done in, you know, in three acts. You know, the first act, you're kind of getting to know everybody and who some of the players are. There's, like, a cop who's been always watching him played by um, James Remar. Mm -hmm. Uh, His name's Gentry, who um, has popped up in several different things over the years. Mm -hmm. And probably near the end of Act 1 and during Act 2 you really start seeing this problem with Nadine, Heather Graham's character, yeah. who doesn't have a lot of like respect for for Matt Dillon's character Bob and she's like inner is always interfering with his plans.
1: Mm.
0: And uh for example, there's one scene where um another drug dealer comes in um, played by Max Perlich, his name is David, who has plays a very important role at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. where he's trying to hustle him, and you know they're doing math on on like how much this drug will cost, and he says, "Yeah, I think that's seventy five dollars," and she corrects his math, and it's actually and to make it more expensive for Bob, and he just like gives her this look like, "What the hell are you doing?" Eventually. At the beginning of act two, you start seeing this, um, you start seeing their relationship really come to a head where, um, you know, she's young and she's with Rick and they ask for a dog. And then <laughs> Matt Dillon starts talking, telling this whole story about how one time they had a dog and then because of the dog, they got caught in, <laughs> in. And so they've never they don't want to have dogs and they can't even mention dogs. And this brings up this whole discussion about superstition and the and hexes that, you know, paranoid drug addicts. And yeah, yeah. And and like one of the big things that he tells them is you can't leave a hat on a bed. Like I don't want to see a hat on a bed, you know, that kind of thing. So at the end of Act Two, they score they do this big score And Nadine kind of screws it up because she can't put a drawer in the back of a truck. And even though they get away with some good stuff, um, Nadine thinks that she's hot shit and she ODs and dies. Then it becomes, what the hell are we going to do with Nadine? And everything has gone so crazy and Matt Dillon's paranoia has has gotten to a, a height... He realizes if he can somehow get away with getting rid of Nadine's body and not get caught by the cops he's gonna go clean and he asked Diane like come on come with me and we'll get clean we'll go to a we'll get on a methadone program and we'll get clean so he eventually takes care of the body and he he tells Rick and Diane, "I'm gonna, I'm I'm not coming with you anymore. I'm gonna go get clean." He goes and moves into a hotel where a lot of people are recovering.
1: Maybe like a halfway um, house kind of thing, maybe. Yeah,
0: yeah. He gets a job. He's clean. He's he's on a methadone program. He's cleaning up. And eventually, Diane comes back, says, "Hey, you should come with me." He's like, "Nope, I'm." I'm, I'm gonna try and change my life, and she leaves him some drugs just in case. Of course, he doesn't really want them. He gives them away to his new friend Tom. Tom, the priest, who was a priest that he knew that Bob knew as a kid, played by the one and only William S. Burroughs, the famous writer, who, in order to get into this movie, he told the direct, he told Gus Van Sant, "I want to rewrite." Tom's backstory and write all my own dialogue which was genius because he's amazing in this movie. <laughs> and he gives he gives Tom the drugs, goes back to his room and waiting for him because he had run into him on the street is David, the the young old drug dealer that he knew from the past, who then beats the crap out of him because he know he's like, "Oh, you must be holding I want your drugs." And shoots him, shoots him, and we think he dies. He gets taken to the hospital, and at the very end of the movie, as right before the credits roll, you, he says that he's alive. He survived the whole time, but he's about to go to like drugstore heaven because he's going to a hospital where he could possibly get the biggest score, and then the movie ends. Yeah. Um, this movie, like I said, is kind of dark, kind of gritty, but. I think it's really well made. I think the pacing's good in it. The acting is good in it. This is probably one of my favorite roles that Matt Dillon's in besides Outsiders. And he even says it's his favorite role that he's ever played. And, uh, yeah, I just really think that this is a, a really good movie. Now, is it like the best movie in the world? No. Is it hard to watch? Yeah, it can be hard to watch at times because some of the – Subject matter is 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 hard to watch, like and it's kind of, of frustrating. It, all of it is. No, no,
1: all of the the whole subject is horrible. I mean, there. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's I certainly, mean it certainly it, it does not. What I realized watching this movie is that the better movie to have paired this with would have been Requiem for a Dream, which I'll never watch again. That movie. Oh, I've never
0: seen. I've never seen it for that very reason. <laughs>
1: it is. It I, is I, I've so, heard so
0: many ba- so many things about how hard it is to watch. It and, is
1: so yeah. hard to watch. But I feel like that movie is more similar because there. I mean, I don't know which movie had more like actual drug use in it. I think Requiem for a Dream probably did. Oh yeah, um, I'm pretty I think sure it's it did. longer too. So, um, but this this movie just. I mean, if I if I'd known ahead of time it was a biopic, I probably could have stomached it.
0: You know, it's probably kind of loose too. It's probably yeah, not. Like I just totally and, autobiographical, well, but and
1: and I'll just you know put it out there. I mean, I'm very kind of blah on Heather Graham. She's never really been in anything I've really been excited so f- about.
0: That's um, so funny that you say that, because I know a lot of people who are just like, oh, Heather Graham. And I'm like, you know, I don't mind her. I mean, I mean, there's nothing wrong with her in this movie. I just I, no, I will not I watch she was something good with movie, her though. in it because she's because it's in her. It. Yeah. I'll watch something in spite of her, not because of her. Um, oh, you mean you? if you saw Heather Graham was in something, you'd you'd not watch it? No, 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 I'm saying I. she's
1: not a reason to she's not a draw for me like I'm not like oh okay. wow. Matt Dillon on the other hand is a reason for me to want to watch this movie cuz I really like yeah. him.
0: Um I mean and you got to you got to say like you you got to admit though like he he does a great job in this oh, movie. Oh
1: sure. I I think it's just again I didn't really know what to expect with this movie. I think all these years, because we've never talked about this movie. You've never really mm. shared with me that you liked this movie or what you liked about it. So I, I came into this movie totally cold. I knew nothing mm-hmm. about it. Um, and, you know, I haven't really seen much with Kelly Lynch before, so I'm not very familiar
0: with her stuff. And I mean, she, you haven't watched Roadhouse a million times? Come on. Nope. Never seen. It. I've never you've seen You've never seen Roadhouse? Nope. We should put it on the list. Patrick Swayze in
1: Roadhouse? I've never seen it.
0: Wow. Okay. Wow. That's come
1: that's gonna be in the mat column of movies soon then. I mean,
0: I don't think it's like the greatest movie ever, but it's always it's on a lot.
1: And we've we've already established how much I randomly
0: flip through the channels <laughs> and look for movies. Um, yeah, but I mean you no one that you've like Dated or hung out with for extended period of times that their house has ever put it on and be like, hey, Roadhouse is on. Let's put on I've seen Roadhouse.
1: like a, a a minute of it here and there, but no, I've never deliberately sat down to watch Roadhouse. I know I should. Wow, well,
0: wow. Well, I don't think we need to talk about it, but I highly recommend you try. You check no, out Roadhouse. We'll it is it not it a, a Matt, great. It is not a great the, movie. The, the, the number of movies <laughs> that
1: I want to watch that I've gotten on our list is way more than yours, so we need to beef up your side of the list. So we'll put Roadhouse wow. on there as a Matt movie.
0: I'll I'll, um, I'll add it. Yes. I'll add it to the list. I have no idea what we'll pair it with. We'll find
1: something. (laughs) Dirty Dancing. I don't know. Uh, There
0: you go. I I mean, in a way, Patrick Swayze dances in Roadhouse. I'm just saying. I'm waiting to see. Well, because he fights all the time. You see a hell of a lot more of Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse than you do in Dirty Dancing.
1: Um, So... (laughs) again so Kelly Lynch not super familiar with her so it's not like I know a lot about you know it's not like ooh I got to watch a Kelly Lynch movie yeah. um and then and then I didn't really enjoy the device that Gus Van Sant used to kind of um Go from one scene to another where it got a little too David Lynch for me, where it would get kind of like the cartoons and then like the stars flying and then like the 85 different. It's just weird. Are you serious? That was that. that.
0: That create that's the creativity. Oh, I don't that, care. That's that's cool. I don't care. I mean, oh, like with the hats flying around. I don't care. As it was going from like act. Oh man. You no, know, because you know I what? I love the daydream kind of dream sequences with with boring. all that. That's I don't oh, care. how is it boring? I mean, it's just. Transition. It's just like a transition, or you're you're seeing the thoughts in his head as he's talking.
1: And the other thing I don't like about it, I don't like all the jazz. It's driving me crazy. It's just so scattered. Like there's just there's just so many like aesthetic. Isn't jazz
0: kind of scattered?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Which another you know the uh, David Lynch movie we talked about is all about jazz. Mm. I mean, there's there were things that were like triggering me as I was watching. I was just like, just I just wasn't. It wasn't an. An enjoyable experience I mean it wasn't the worst movie I've seen by far I mean I've seen worse movies of course But I just You know I I, I guess if I I wish I knew a little bit more about it Before I watched it um, Just so it wouldn't have been such a surprise Like oh okay I mean if you had told me If you had told me it would be like just kind of imagine like a Kurt Cobain Courtney Love kind of story if neither of them had become famous musicians and this is what their lives would have been like because i mean if you had if you had told me, you know, it's set in the Pacific Northwest but it's not it's set in the early 70s and like just kind of picture Kurt and Courtney if they'd never become famous. Like this is probably what their lives would have been like. I could have been like, "Hmm, okay. I guess that that sets the stage for me." I mean, I just
0: that's funny that you say that because Gus Van Sant made a movie about Kurt Cobain called the last, like, loosely based on it called Last Days. Mm. <laughs> you know, so. yeah. I well, mean, I, w- I, I will, I will give you this. If you look at the. Um, like the cover, like the like the movie poster of this, where you have yeah. Matt Dillon hugging Kelly Lynch, and she's got like this like really nice smile. It looks on her very face. different
1: than what you're. It expecting. looks like
0: almost like a romance, almost like a Bonnie and Clyde kind of thing going on. Yes. Yeah. You know, and and I, I, and I'll give you that that it definitely from it, even if you watch the trailer, it has kind of more of like a like I said, more of like a Bonnie and Clyde kind of feel. But it ends up being, you know, grittier and darker. I mean, more of the
1: movie is watching them in the shitty houses that they're staying in and trying to figure out how to divvy up the drugs or how to hide them and how to dodge the cops. And it just like I, I guess because I mean, no one in the crew seemed very smart. You know, like the like Heather Graham's character and Rick, neither of them seemed very bright. They were not. They so were it was kind of like, you yeah. know, OK, why are they around? Um, That kind of was just, you know,
0: well, and they were just, just, a tool. just they sad. were just a tool to him. Yeah, they were I, just a tool to him. Yeah.
1: I mean, and again, now that I understand that this is a biopic um, and assuming that maybe at some point these four characters all existed in real life, um I'm I'm assuming if it's enough of a biopic that this that the guides based on really did rob Walgreens. Or Walgreens like drug stores or whatever. I mean I'd I'd be I a little mean, he, surprised if, if they if they fictionalized that to that extent. I mean how else was he scoring his drugs?
0: Know. Yeah, uh, I mean I, I don't know. I mean I and, and, read the book. And,
1: and again, I don't want to like make it sound like I'm not into drug or gangster movies, because I love that genre. I mean, that's not the problem. I think it's more just...
0: I don't think you enjoy watching the drug addict lifestyle.
1: No. I mean, early on in, like, the first ten minutes when they have, like, the intense shots of, you know, the needles going in the arms and, like, the blood kind of, like, swishing through the the needle and just those kinds of scenes, it's just...
0: Well, uh, so when we eventually talk about train spotting, which I've seen, I would love, I would love, I'm sure you'll have the same reaction.
1: You know what, though? There's something very different about train spotting than this movie. It's got an amazing fucking Mm -hmm. soundtrack and they're British. So, and oh, British people can get to drugs. There's some, there's things, there's things about that. They're Scottish. They're Scottish. Um, (laughs) those characters go on very different kinds of journeys than this. I mean, this was just very, I don't know. It just,
0: I'm not watching it. I I would say, I would say, I would say train spotting would be the movie that I would like instead of Requiem for a dream, maybe, maybe train spotting would be the other movie that you could say, like there's a similarity to where you have a main character that you're watching. Who's an addict. And then, Tries to go clean, yeah. You know, by the end of it,
1: and I don't um, mind his dream sequence of like diving into like the toilet. Like clearly, that's a sequence, like a dream sequence or like a hallucination or something that didn't yeah. actually happen. That doesn't yeah. bother me nearly as much as just some of the the weird shit in this movie. I mean, again, I mean, you feel bad for Matt Dillon. I mean, in the sense that he's uh, he cl- he's clearly. Struggling, but I mean even when even when Nadine dies he 's standing over her body, huh, she took all these drugs, she took your cut, dude, like he's not even grasping like this poor girl no. is dead, and yeah, and that was kind of like you kind of suck, I mean they're just. I don't know. I mean, these people are awful. I think,
0: think (laughs) you know what, though? I think that a lot of that was because he didn't really like her anyway. That's why they spent so much time, like, establishing, like, he didn't want her around, really. But he needed Rick as the muscle. Yeah. You know, but, you know, he and, and at one point when they're even divvying up the drugs... He's like, we'll split it three ways. Yeah, she doesn't and get she's any. Like, and she doesn't get the she doesn't get the same cut that everyone else does. Yeah. And they establish that very early on in the movie from the from the, when they do the first robbery.
1: Can I tell you my favorite scene? Just because I want to talk about something yeah. positive. Yeah. Is when he figures out that the cops. Oh, when the old lady comes and s- knocks on the door. And then oh, he, when they
0: play the trick on the cops.
1: Yeah. When he when he then oh, yeah, sends the anonymous letter and then he talk to his neighbor and then the neighbor comes is ready with a shotgun and the cops predictably go up the ladder and one of them gets shot i mean that my, that's my favorite scene
0: that's a that's a that's a, a pretty cool like little trick that he plays on them, and you got to like if you're paying attention you see what they're doing yeah I guess it's kind of fair. Like, in a way, there's that kind of... It's that cat and mouse kind of thing where, like, the cops are doing whatever they can to, like, bust him. And he gets to have, like, this this one-on-one where he gets to bust them, you yeah. know, trying to trying to spy on him. But... um
1: I mean, how sad. They, well, he think he said he was 26 and he'd been doing drugs, like, his whole life. And he was probably yeah. in and out of jail how many times? I mean...
0: Well, I think sad. they said that he would... Yeah, and I think they had said like he had done so- he had just come out of doing time from the from when he got caught from you know when his dog busted him um yeah. him and Diane. So I think one of my my favorite character is Bob, but my second favorite character is Tom the priest played by William mm. S. Burroughs. Um at the time when this movie came out, I um was also attempting to read Naked Lunch by William S. Burroughs, mm. which um he himself had a drug problem his whole life mm-hmm. and this that book is very bizarre mm. and it, i never finished it it was they made a movie out of it that um i think david cronenberg made um that is also very bizarre mm. that i have not actually um i'm surprisingly have not seen all th- the way through his character and the dialogue that he wrote for himself i just think is really really well done and i love this whole idea of this priest from the neighborhood who was a drug addict and, and he he really cared for all the kids but he also had this problem kind of thing. Do you think he
1: was maybe also helping get the ki- getting the kids hooked on drugs? Like was he doing drugs with the kids?
0: I don't think he was doing drugs with the kids mm-hmm. maybe but you know he i think he also understood like that It was a problem. I mean, yeah, this is not it's we're not talking about, you know, just some sort of lifestyle that people choose to live by. I mean, people who have addiction problems, you know, it's it's an illness, you know, it's it's serious. So. I just thought that he did a really good job. And like I said, at the time I was trying to read that book. So seeing him in the movie, it was like, Oh wow. William S Bros, This is amazing. So I um, I guess, I I guess
1: Bob's my favorite character. I mean, if I have to pick one, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's more just like a process of elimination because so many people in this movie are just really unlikable to me.
0: I think that, but, but here's the thing. So if we're, if we're comparing the two movies, I mean, If you're looking at, like, seriousness and subject matter and, like, how the movie was made and the message it gives and all of that, I mean, this is clearly a better movie than St. Elmo's Fire.
1: Well, they're they're, not—they're not competing in that way at all.
0: I mean— No, but, I mean, if you had to watch one, I mean, I felt—like, when I rewatched this, there was a lot of it that I hadn't remembered— I remembered a few things, but I hadn't remembered some of the scenes and everything. And then like, as I was watching it, I was like, Oh yeah, Nadine dies. I forgot about that. How many times
1: do you think you've seen it?
0: I've probably only seen it a few times, Mm -hmm. you know, but it was one, like I said, the reason why I've, I put it on my list is because I remember it like really kind of jump starting and like introducing a lot of different kinds of movies. And, uh, to me and kind of really, Opening my myself to like not just um, watching, you know, your Hollywood blockbuster kind of movies Mm because I was like, you know, a young teen when I saw it. It's
1: not like you have to really justify why you want to watch a movie.
0: For no, I don't. (laughs) No, I don't. But if I'm trying to justify, you know, why it influenced me, you know, I would say to where I want to put it on the list. Um, because I've seen tons of movies that have probably influenced me that I don't really care about talking about. But I think that this was one of those early movies that, you know, like Clerks mm-hmm. and Reservoir um, Dogs, Reservoir Dogs, um, the David Lynch work, all that kind of stuff, you know, really kind of introduced me to a whole another genre, you know, like a whole another set of movies, mm-hmm. and at that time they happened to just be taking off, you know, mm-hmm. getting Oscar nominated and all this yeah. other crap. Um, I will say this: um, Do you remember Siskel and Ebert? They were on television. It's so funny you say down. that
1: because I did look to see, I did read Ebert's uh, Ro- Roger Ebert's review, and yeah, he really liked this movie. The, but he the also two of them, he also the two really of them, liked Speed too. So sometimes his yeah, well.
0: The two of them, explained. though, the two of them, though, for the year nineteen eighty nine, put them on their list, number two and number three of like their top ten movies of that year.
1: Oh, so they both really liked this movie.
0: They both thought that it was really good. Well,
1: when you so, think about <clears throat> a lot of the movies that came out in the eighties, I mean, this movie was very different. So, I mean, I do give a credit, and you could even say that there's a little bit of a throwback to some of the grittier films from the seventies that this movie kind of has a feel yeah. of. And yeah. I'm sure there were, I mean, you know, um, Gene Siskel, one of his favorite movies of all time, in fact, maybe is his favorite movie, is Saturday Night Fever. And that movie clearly is, you know, the late 70s, very kind of gritty. Right. You know, we'll talk about that eventually. Um, but yeah, so I think I think kind of stylistically this is kind of recalling a different time of filmmaking that... Both of them, because of all the crappy movies they may have had to sit through and review, they were probably like, oh. "Wow, this is a little bit of a breath of fresh air. This is something different." Yeah.
0: So, I mean, I mean at I... some point in some at some point in 1985, they had to watch *St. Elmo's Fire*. I mean, it was pretty bad.
1: <laughs> I'll never watch *Drugstar Cowboy* again. I'm done. One and
0: done for that, me. That's, that's that's it's just fine. and just... and
1: you know what? Truly false advertising right here with this movie poster. I mean, it really feels like and I guess and I'll say okay I think part of the false advertising for me was also all of their time like dicking around in the houses that they were staying at it felt like nothing was going on like it didn't seem like there was enough action to me not that not that I was bored watching this movie because I wasn't bored I was just like I don't want to see what drug addicts I don't want to watch these drug addicts just Having all this idle time on their hands because they don't do anything else. Like they literally rob drugstores, get high, and then do it again. I mean, they don't they don't do anything else, and it just is depressing and just yeah. So, anyways. Yeah, But, I mean, I, I, think, I think they were interesting movies to watch. I mean, clearly different kind of tone than the last episode we had where, you know, here you had a prison movie that the, the main message of that movie was, hope shouldn't die. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing incredibly happy about either of these two movies. Um, you know, neither of them end on a, like, ultra great hopeful note. They're both kind of end on... Downer notes, so
0: yeah. I mean, yeah, St. Emma's Fire. I I think it started on a downer note, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, that just, but I mean, I think we were ready to wrap this up because I think we've, I think we're both kind of exhausted talking about these movies a little bit, but I don't know if you read anything on this, but in my research um i noticed i read that um the little chant that they do in i Things hate the chant fire.
1: i hate it they do it too many okay. times it's hell of annoying
0: you know that chant wasn't in the script that was something the actors came up with because their names kept getting brought up in the tabloids and that was their impression of of the of journalists
1: oh how funny that
0: whole like the whole like blah blah blah, 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 blah was the journalists talking oh. like in secret and then the then the uproarious laughter that was like okay. their little thing actually funny thing that they did but it also just shows when i found that out and then how they brought that into the movie just shows like how How the actors kind of like it it made it seem more like the actors were like knew that they were in a crappy movie and like were just there to put their face out there. (laughs) I mean, it just gave me this weird kind of and then they were laughing, and then like this is their kind of like, like, we don't care what you, what, what writers say because we're riding a high right now, so we don't care. Okay, I got that vibe. So here's
1: another (laughs) question for you if you had, if you could. Swap out Ali Sheedy from Mo- and put Molly Ringwald in there instead. I mean, would Molly R- is is Kevin more like Ducky from Pretty in Pink than like Blaine? Because Alec is kind of like a Blaine character in sense of like his money and influence or whatnot.
0: No, Alec is more like Steph from Pretty in Pink. I think
1: so. Kind of a little elitist. He was. Yes. uh, Well, we didn't really. I mean, he was. He was head. We didn't get a sense of how hard Steph worked. And I think that Alec was probably a really hard worker. Yeah. But yeah, I know you. I I don't have a lot of love for Alec. So, I mean, I'm not defending him. And I mean, because, again, he's he's quite the asshole. And here here his whole idea of. Leslie, you need to marry me. And then it's like, again, to realize these people are like 22, 23. What's your big goddamn hurry? And for him, it was, oh, because I need to stop cheating on her. That's the only way I'll do it is if she marries me. Give
0: me a break. Yeah, well, it was much like I said, it was watching like him versus having to watch Matt Dillon in this mo- in Drugstore Cowboy where you were kind of taken on this like little bit of a journey even though you thought the journey was kind of boring. It was like an insightful kind of thing. Although you did say it wasn't boring. It was just hard to watch. Well, is, I just wasn't interested in
1: where they were. I wasn't interested in seeing the shitty places that they were living and them doing nothing with their time other than just being kind of anxious and just waiting yeah. for their next score, And then finally, when he decides to get clean, I mean, that, that part of the movie is interesting. Um, yeah,
0: I thought so. And, I mean,
1: and then of course the end where like he says, you know, the movie opens with him in the uh, ambulance and you don't really yeah. know, like, where's this going to ultimately go? I mean, that was something I, in, in fact, I think I kept telling Jack when I was watching, I was like, I'm just kind of waiting for them all to die. I'm just waiting (laughs) for all of them to get killed at some point. Yeah. Um, But they don't all die. In fact, as far as we know, only one died. So, yeah. Anyways, but, you you know, hey, it's good for us to it's good for us to see these different movies again. I'd never seen Drugstore Cowboys, so I'm glad I can now say I've seen it and I don't need to watch it again.
0: Well, I'm glad we don't live together because then we would really be fighting over who gets to watch what movie. (laughs) Because <laughs> I don't want to watch St. those Fire again
1: <laughs> And I might watch it again next week If I want, who knows
0: and You go for it So I can listen yeah, to the, yeah. the
1: David Foster love theme again
0: Ugh.
1: I'm just going to start sending you Voicemail messages with just that song Playing in the background, what do you think?
0: I thought you wanted to continue doing this podcast I do, <laughs> never mind <laughs>
1: I, I, well, I, I uh, take that comment back uh, <laughs>
0: thank you on that note f- so we don't kill each other luckily we're we're doing this remote during during oh, a, a,
1: please. a more
0: troubling a more troubling time in in the real world um,
1: extended to the end of may you guys you guys we're it's going to be
0: longer than that we're going to no, be it's going to be longer than that
1: you guys are going to get weekly episodes from us for a long time doing this remote action so i hope hope you guys are doing okay <sighs>
0: Well, on that note, I'm going to say, we're going to say goodnight. Uh, My name is Matthew.
1: My name is Nancy.
0: This is Fighting Over the VCR. Thank you for listening.
1: Thank you.